Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Amen. Now, I hope you feel sorry for me to have to preach today after that wonderful music. I don't know about you, but all the music this morning, the worship, singing we shared together, the offertory, the choir, the special violin number, um, I don't know about you, but my heart's been opened up. How about you? Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, This morning on uh, the Sunday morning show on uh, Channel 7, they have a kind of a human interest type stories we usually watch while we're getting ready for church early on in the morning, and they have hymns this morning, and I noticed... Uh, one of the hymns that was up here, I don't know if remember, it was a choir song maybe by Getty. It was a Getty song. And they had a special on uh, these two uh, husband-wife Irish uh, team, the Gettys. And their song, uh, the one song, what's it, Teresa? The one that they, number two, it's the number two hymn of uh, uh, In Christ Alone. In Christ Alone. The number two hymn on the list of all-time favorites already uh, that uh, we've sung many times. And... Uh, it's a great, a great, uh, great testimony. And then also they, they talked about the Hallelujah Chorus and uh, Handel. Evidently the story goes that uh, his, the guy came in, his servant, to bring him food, and he told the story that Handel locked himself in his room, I think for 24 days, to write, to write the Messiah. And uh, the guy came in to bring his food, and Handel had been looking out the window, and he turned around, and his hair was all over the place, you know, and his glaze in his eyes, and something effect. Uh, I, I've just seen heavens and I've seen God, and he just written the Hallelujah Chorus. And, uh, and the guy said, he, I just brought food into you. you know what, I said? <laughs> uh, what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful part of our worship time, music. Uh, just thank you so much, all of you this morning that shared in our music. I'm going to invite our children to come forward and have a word of prayer with you guys. Children have a special children's church uh, program today. So come on down here and we'll have a word of prayer together. This way, guys. All right. Come on down here, you guys. Thanks, Paul, for, for helping open our service up this morning with He is Risen. And you know, um, this morning in our service, you guys right here is fine, guys. Come on down. Uh, this morning in our service, Paul, we're going to talk about where that comes from in the Bible. It comes in the Bible, but there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And one of those Gospels particularly has the account of where that came from, why we say that He is Risen. He is Risen. He is risen indeed. and come from our Bible nest. Now, you're going to be with the children this morning, so I'm going to need... Is, is one of your sisters in here this morning? It's in Mark. No, it's not in Mark. Which one? Wait, no. No? How about your mom or dad? Somebody here. There's Margaret. Margaret's your sister's here, so I'm going to, she's going to have to listen real carefully. So after church, you ask Margaret what gospel that comes from where it is said, He is risen indeed. You can do that? All right. You tell me if she remembers, all right? Okay, all right. Let's pray, guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us and your love for us. I want to thank you for these young people, Lord, and just thank you for uh, the privilege it is to have them with us, to teach them, to lead them, to have them worship with us, to help minister to us, and we put them in your care. We pray now as they meet that you would speak to their hearts, and we pray as we open your word that you would speak to our hearts as well. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, guys, have a good time. Children's Church. He is risen indeed. Um, that obviously is uh, something that, you know, we had a lady at our church um, some years ago, uh, Helen Schrader, who uh, kind of took it on herself to uh, every, uh, every year to really remind us of this. 
And so it became a tradition here, that, and it's a church, a Christian tradition, uh, going back uh, many centuries, that uh, on Easter morning when the, the brothers and sisters would uh, claim, He is risen, the response would be, He is risen indeed. And this morning, I want to I talk about that, where it came from. And uh, it's actually one of the young guys was saying it comes from the Gospel of Mark. And we're studying Mark uh, in the Bible this morning. And he's right in the sense that the Gospel of Mark briefly mentions in just one line in the appearances of our Lord Jesus Christ that he also appeared to, to two others on the road. And it's actually Luke who gives us the details of that story. I'd like you to turn your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 24. The Gospel of Luke chapter 24. And this uh, wonderful story, uh, this account of this appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of your Bibles, your study Bible, uh, for example, I know the study Bible that comes in different editions, but I have an NIV study Bible, and I think it's in Luke that there is a chart of the resurrection appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have something like that, you may want to look at that sometime, and you can, and you can see the order in which he appeared. And we have this account uh, in Luke 24. You'll notice that verse 1, the first day of the week, very early in the morning. And of course, that is Easter morning. And this is why we still gather as the church of uh, Jesus Christ. We gather the first day of the week because it's Resurrection Sunday. This is not the Sabbath technically, that is Saturday. But we gather on Sunday for our Sabbath because it's the first day of the week. And it was on this day that we look at verse uh, 13. Let's read, first of all, verses 13 through 16. Now that same day, so it's still the first day of the week. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So there's, there's two disciples. These two are not two of the 11. Of course, Judas is gone now. But you will notice that in the previous section, we'll come back to this, that when the women come and tell the disciples what has happened, you'll notice at the very end of verse 9, it says that they spoke to the 11, that is the 11 disciples, the apostles, and to all the others. So all the others are the bigger circle of disciples that were around. We, it, Jesus had his 12 disciples, but there was another group of people that were close around that apparently traveled with him. The women, for example, that were with him all the time, the Marys uh, that we mentioned on the Easter morning, uh, some others we're going to see here, they traveled with the disciples and followed him most every place he went. They were part of the disciple group or company. So much so that when the women came on Easter morning, they were there to hear the report, the 11 and the others. So these two are two of the others. This is not two of the 12 or 11. These are two of the others. And they are leaving Jerusalem. And they are going to Emmaus. Um, we don't know, of course, the details. But Passover is over. Okay? And during Passover, there is this huge crush of people trying to get to Jerusalem, just as it is today. And when Passover is over, there's a huge crush of people leaving Jerusalem. And for these disciples, they had come also to Jerusalem. They were from Galilee, remember, uh, Jesus and his band of disciples. They were from Galilee. 
and they came down to Jerusalem. Passover is finished. And evidently, everything is finished for them because he is dead. And they are going. And these two may be going home. They are leaving Jerusalem. And it says as they were leaving, these two, they were heading about seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It says in verse 14, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Everything that had happened. We think back this, this past week was the Passion Week. Last Sunday was Palm Sunday. They came to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And the crowds were there and the yelling and the cheering and the hallelujahs were there. And the joy and the hope and the anticipation of the coming kingdom, the Messiah was with them, was there. And then as that week went through and Jesus did things like overturn the, the temple traders' uh, tables over that were selling sacrifices. And as he gave those, maybe you read this past week, as I asked you to read, and you may have saw the, the, um, uh, the emphasis on Jesus talking about the coming times and the tribulation, but also the, the Messianic kingdom and everybody seeing the Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory. And then they were there when, when he was crucified. And they saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of them, they scattered. But we know, for example, John was there. He was at the foot of the cross. And the others, I'm sure, were in vicinity. And, 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 and Jesus was dead. Everything went from this highest joy it could be to the, to the deepest sorrow and, dis, and, and distraught and pain and questions. And they saw all this happen. They are discussing these things. But they are also discussing, you'll notice that, let's go back into this chapter, the women have been to the tomb. They came early that first day. And I, and I love this, this when, they, when they came and the angel greeted them and says to them in verse 5, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. That verse itself is enough for Easter morning. Why look for the living among the dead? That's great. He is not here. He's alive. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he still was with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men. He must be crucified. And on the third day, he must rise again. And they remembered his words. And that goes back earlier in Luke. You will see this where Jesus specifically told everybody within earshot this was going to happen. But it says it was, it was kept from them and no one understood it. And when they came back, verse 9, from the tomb, they told all these things to the leaven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But that is the apostles and probably those with them did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. But Peter got up, however, ran to the tomb, bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself, what had happened? That's from the Gospel of John. We see John and Peter run to the tomb. John gets there first. Peter goes inside. He sees this, and he says, and John, uh, the Gospel of John tells us he went away. He believed. It doesn't tell us what he believed, but he believed. This has all been told to the disciples and to the others. There's a report that angels have come. Angels. This is not an everyday occurrence. Angels. And told the women, the women claimed that they were told he is risen. Peter and John have gone to the tomb and it's empty. And they're discussing this. And, 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 and in fact, the word that's used here in the Greek in, in verse 15 when it says 
that as they talked in the second word and they discussed these things with each other, that, that word there is a word for debate, for, for a, an engaging conversation. They're not just talking. They're, they're, they're debating. They're talking. They may be arguing. They may have disagreement, um, trying to understand this. No, that's not true. Yes, it is true. How could it be true? I don't know, but they said it. And, 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 and they're debating. They're arguing. They're discussing. And to think that, that Jesus... And, 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 you know, for these, for these people, too, of all the desecration of being crucified and as, a, as the worst of criminals and, be, and the de- degradation that went with crucifixion and the, and the pain and suffering that, that goes with that, if that weren't enough, it appears somebody has stolen his body. Um, you have to understand, for, in, in the Jewish faith and understanding, uh, this, is, this is a very sacred thing. I always remember my, my mother um, telling me, one of the things I do remember telling me about my father was uh, one of the things that just burned in him always was it was enough that the Nazis destroyed their community and, and, and cleared out their community, but that they went over and they desecrated the Jewish cemetery. And that burned in his heart that they, that they, would, they would desecrate the cemetery of all things. They've stolen his body. They have desecrated. And they are talking about this and they're debating it and, and, and in verse 17, now here's, here's the good thing. Here's the wonderful thing about this account. You right away, you get to know what's happening. I get to know what's happening. These two don't get to know what's happening. But Luke tells us very clearly, as they talked and they debated and argued these things back and forth, Jesus himself came up and started walking along with him, but they were kept from recognizing him. There are two of them. Now there are three. This stranger comes up and is walking along the road with them and listening to them. And, 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 it's, and it's Jesus. He's alive. It's him. They're debating and discussing and arguing about Jesus and this whole thing. And here he is, and they don't know it. They don't understand it. They can't recognize him. And Jesus says to them in verse 17, what are you discussing together as you walk along. What are you two talking about? I hear your conversations. It's, it's heated. What's going on? And look what it says here. I, I love this. Luke, Luke says here, they stood still, their faces downcast. Can't you just picture it? These guys walking along, and this man comes alongside and says, what are you talking about? And they just freeze. They just stop. It's incredulous. They can't believe it. How could you not know what we're talking about? Everybody knows what we're talking about. Listen, friends, this, this story of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, this was not a small sideshow at Passover. The whole city knows about this. We know from Josephus and other historians that a million people, you know, I don't know what the population right now of Seattle always seems to be in the 500,000s of Seattle proper. A million people come and converge on Jerusalem for these holidays because every Jewish male is supposed to go three times a year to Jerusalem if he can at all. Everybody, it's ablaze with this story. What has happened to this prophet, this amazing person who who could do miracles, who just days previous had raised Lazarus from the dead. This, this amazing man who people had claimed that he, was, he must be the Messiah. He must, he's a prophet at least. God has sent this man to us. And everybody is talking about what has happened to him. How he has been killed. 
How he, and, 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 and they look at him, and they, it says their faces are downcast. They, these men are, and this is the word, of course, for, for sorrow. These men are deep sorrow. What should have been a day of hope is a day of hope extinguished. They had hoped, and all hope is gone, and they're leaving. They're going back. They're leaving Jerusalem. And they look at, they look at, they, they say to this man, I'm not sure if they looked at him. If they're, if they're, if they're downcast and they're in despair and, and there's such a cloud of darkness over him, did they even see his face? Did they even look at him? But, but they said to him, Cleopas, verse 18, one of them named Cleopas. The other one is not named. It is kind of interesting. Eusebius, the church historian, he, he tells us that the other one was Luke the author of this gospel. We don't know that. It is an interesting thought. We don't know that. But we do know Cleopas. Cleopas is one of the larger group of disciples. He's not one of the 11, but he's part of that next group, that next circle. And he says to him, now the NIV says, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened in these days? The other translations, and I think it, it very well could be translated are, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard? I was thinking about this. I was thinking about um, a few months ago after the Super Bowl and, you know, how the exciting ending and then how the, we were all let down at the end, most of us anyway. And, and, you, know, and, and, and you know, if you were to go out the next day and say, what's everybody talking about? What, what are you talking about? What do you mean he should have run the ball? What do you mean he shouldn't have passed the ball? What do you, you, know, uh, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? You haven't heard about this? I mean, this is, this is like, what are you talking about? You don't know these things? Jesus says to him, verse 19, what things are you talking about? What are you talking about? Tell me more. And these guys are thinking, this must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what has happened because he's walking away from Jerusalem with us. And they say to him, in verse 19, we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet they assumed he was indeed a prophet. He w they believed he was sent from God. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And in verse 20, but our chief priests, the chief priests and our rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to, be to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel, was going to restore Israel. We had hoped. We were just hoping he really was the Messiah. We know he was a prophet. Everybody knows that. But we were hoping that at least he was the one who was going to restore Israel to our rightful place and, and throw off this Roman power and free us and redeem us. And then look what they say. And what, more, and what is more... It is the third day since all of this has taken place. Listen, it's not only the third day, it is well into the third day. The Jewish day ends at 6 o'clock at night. Any Jewish holiday, uh, when we say the holiday, the Passover starts on this day, it actually starts at 6 o'clock the night before because that's when the Jewish count clock starts for a new day. This is well into the third day. They are looking toward the fourth day. And Cleophas says, you know, besides all that, we had hoped. And, and you know, this is the third day. This is the third day. And we, we just hoped. But obviously, it's not going to happen. 
See, he was there. He was there when the ladies came from the tomb, and I read to you already in verse 7 that the angels said, don't you remember what he said when he was with you? That the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And they are talking about this. And they are discussing this. And they have been arguing about this. And say, that's right. He did. He kept telling us that. And the angels reminded the women. And this, it, could it be? This is the third day. Could it be? Is this possible? Listen, they had never seen anybody rise from the dead. Is this possible? It's the third day. It's the third day. And what should have been a day of hope is quickly, as we move to day four, becoming a day of hope extinguished. We get to see what they don't see. We get to see it. This is Jesus. You know, you could say it's, it's the third day we had hoped. If they'd have known who was walking with them, they could have said, it is the third day. It's the third day, just as he said. Because it is the third day. And unbeknownst to them and everybody else so far, everything has been accomplished that Jesus talked about. He has risen from the dead. He has paid for sin. He has conquered the grave and death that has held over humanity since the Garden of Eden. He has conquered it. He has led captivities captive. The whole spiritual universe knows exactly now what has happened and how he has defeated death and conquered and made the way open for salvation and forgiveness for sins. Indeed, it is the third day. It is the third day. But for them, it's the third day we had hoped. We had hoped. And then verse 22, let's read the rest of this. In addition, verse 22, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions, Peter and John, went to the tomb. They found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. It's empty. He's gone, but no one has seen him. And he said to them, Jesus says, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophet has spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then Luke tells us, beginning with Moses, the five books of Moses, and all of the prophets, Moses also was a prophet, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself, this, this, the great, we talked about the Messianic secret these last several weeks as we studied Mark. But even a bigger mystery and secret was that nobody got that from the Old Testament, what is clearly said, for example, in Isaiah 53, that the suffering servant of God was going to have to die and be pierced and suffer for our sins. Isaiah makes it, read Isaiah 53, makes it very clear. It is one of many prophecies and many psalms 
And even words of Moses that, Moses that Jesus goes back to and opens up the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures that have authority and shows and, and, and reminds him from the scriptures, they're all verbal, they're not carrying the scrolls with them, but he goes through the scriptures, passage by passage, and shows them, this is what had to happen. Don't you understand? The Messiah had to suffer. He had to die. And I can imagine Cleopas and the other listening and thinking and discussing and wondering and they're still downcast in this day of hope that is a day of hope extinguished. And as they, they're walking along and they approach the village in verse 28 where they are going and Jesus acts as if he is going to keep on going. They're, they're walking along the road, the three of them. They still don't know it's Jesus, we know. And the two of them are talking and he's talking and, and they're going to go this way and he's going to go this way. And they say, wait a minute, wait, stop, stop, stop. Stay with us. I mean, this is one bright spot on this horrible day. This horrible day, this horrible weekend of Passover that's been the worst Passover they could imagine. And, and, and as they, they, wait, this is one bright spot. God has brought somebody alongside to, to, to bring us the scriptures and to, and to show us and to talk to us and bring us some hope. What's going on here? Please, they beg him, stay with us. Why? Listen, friends, it's just about day four. Six o'clock. Roughly, you know, we sang, the choir sang for us, day is dying in the West, our Good Friday service. The third day is dying in the West. The fourth day is about to dawn, even though it's evening, because that's how the Jewish calendar works. It's almost day four. It's on the verge of day four. Please stay with us. Please stay. And he goes with them. And he's at the table in verse 30. And the Mishnah tells us whenever three Jewish men gather together, one has to take the lead and one has to speak for the other three and, and pray and give thanks for the food. This is not his home, but all of a sudden this stranger, this visitor, this, this, this man who's been preaching and teaching to them, all of a sudden he takes the place as the host, even though he's not. And he offers up thanksgiving. He breaks the bread. And notice it says in verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. I wonder what happened. Was it, was it just a spiritual blindness that, that they couldn't see? Had they never actually taken time to look into his eyes yet? When he broke the bread, did they actually look at his hands and see the nail-pierced hands? Something happened. Their eyes were opened. And all of a sudden they recognized it's him and he's gone. He's gone. And they have been walking and talking. These two, the 12 haven't seen him yet, the 11. These two men God chooses and Jesus reveals himself. In verse 32, they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and open the scriptures to us. I remember dear uh, Pastor Schutz, pastor before me, I worked with him for nine years, dear man of God. I always remember uh, the title of his sermon one Easter, Easter Heartburn. <laughs> Easter Heartburn. Did not our hearts burn within us? And they got up, verse 33, and they ran, I think, to Jerusalem. I can't imagine they didn't just take a stroll. They, they went to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them assembled together in verse 34, and they said, It is true, the Lord has risen indeed. 
and has appeared to Simon. Evidently, Simon at the same time has seen Jesus and has come back and said, hey, and these witnesses come together, there's three of them now. He is risen indeed. From all I can tell, this is where that comes from. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. And these men come back and they say, he is risen indeed. It is true. And they told everything that had happened. And you read on in verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself all of a sudden stood among all of them. And look what he says to them. Isn't this great? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And he goes on and talks to them. And you can read the rest of this Easter story. Read the rest of the account of all the Gospels. It wouldn't take you long. They're not long accounts, really. Especially in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this day of hope, that had become a day of hope extinguished, is once again a day of hope. He is risen indeed. Before we go this morning, by just way of application, this passage some of the commentators connected, and I was thinking about this as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What does this mean to you and me? What, what does this mean? Resurrection Sunday. I tell you, I've just been, I was so blessed today by the music and the word. Like I said, my heart was open. I'm so glad I'm here. I'm not me thinking, well, you're paid to be here. That's true. I am paid to be here. But you know what? I'm so glad I'm here today. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else today than right here. Uh, the music this morning was just, just lifted my heart. And this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, if, if anybody should not have received this hope, it was, the Apostle, it was Saul of Tarsus. If anybody deserved a lease, it was him. He was killing Christians. He was persecuting Christians. He was causing them to blaspheme. Every place Paul went for the next several years, there was someone there who could say, yeah, that, thanks, Paul. You're, you're the reason my, my father's not alive anymore. He should, he should never have been the apostle. But God called him and chose him for that very reason, to show his grace. And look what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new she is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. What I love about this passage this Easter morning, the Apostle Paul, the words he uses, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Friends, this is the day that defines our faith. This is the day. This is day one, Easter morning. And it's because of the accomplished work of the cross, the empty tomb, that we, when we receive Christ's forgiveness for our sins and receive him as our Savior and ask him to be our Savior and tell him, Lord, I know I'm a sinner as I have done. And I, and I know I'm in need of your salvation. I can't, sin, I can't save myself. 
that I receive Christ's payment for my sins and I believe he rose from the dead and we invite him to be our Savior. Paul says, we are at that point a new creation. He does not say we shall become a new creation. Look at I, I know I, I know I look I know I look like I, I look. <laughs> and I don't look like a new creation. I look like a creation that's getting a little older every year, okay? But I'm a new creation. I am already a new creation. Paul says, already the old has gone. It's an aorist tense in the Greek language. This has to do with a, a point of action. It has happened. The old has gone. It's not the old is going to be gone. It's not Jim someday, hang on, hang on, and you might get there. You try hard enough, be good. Enough. No, the old is gone. The old is gone, even though there is still power in that old, the flesh, I understand that, and we all understand that. There is power in that, but the regime has been destroyed. It's broken because of the resurrection. It's already done. I am already a new creation. And, and then Paul says, the new has come. Now listen, the, what he uses here is a second, this is technical, I know, but a second perfect. But the tense of the perfect verb, it means this. Listen, it's an action which is viewed as having been completed in the past, once for all, not ever needing to be repeated again. All things have become new. It's done. And he reconciled us again in Arist. He, he has done this. He has reconciled us to him. The old is gone. The new is here. We are reconciled to God through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection from the day. Friends, Cleopas was right. It's already day three. It's already the third day. What does this mean for me this Easter Sunday morning and hopefully for you? What it means for me is that my sins really, really, really are forgiven. Even when I don't feel so much, that's the case. And even when you don't feel so much, that's the case. Our sins are forgiven. It's done. It's already the third day. Are we going to fully belong to Jesus Christ? Or do I already, and do you already, in perfection, completeness, are you going to be, or are you already, here and now, secure in Jesus Christ? It's already the third day. These little children that were with me a few minutes ago, many of them have accepted Christ as Savior. I know that. I know that personally. And you as parents and grandparents know that. Are they going to be secure or are your children already secure in Christ? It's already the third day. 
Is God really going to provide for our families? Is he really going to take care of us? Is he really, as he says in Philippians chapter 4, going to meet all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus? Or is there something we have to do to make sure that happens? Friends, it's already the third day. It's already the third day. Are our dear loved ones who have died in Christ, are they really secure in him? We were over in Wenatchee, many of us yesterday, for a funeral service for our dear brother, Norm Larson. Important part of our church history and our family, the Larson family. Dear brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful service. Do we really believe that Norm is secure in Christ right now? And we will really be together again. It's already third day. And when we read the terrible news like we did just the other day of believers in Kenya being singled out, young people, and being asked, are you Christian or not? It's happening all over the world. In our lifetime, do we expect to see this? Do we, do we expect to see people beheaded? The book of Revelation tells us that it's going to happen. It seems so futuristic, and it's happening. It seems like it's happening. And these people were singled out and asked, are you, are you a Christian? What would you say? What would you tell your children to say? As the guns are pointed at them. And, and this is happening now. We know it. And we begin to consider the world that our children and grandchildren are going to live in. I have to tell you, I think back, you know, that, that American poet who wrote that, that hymn, it's a hard rain, it's going to fall. It's a hard rain, it's going to fall. Do our children and grandchildren have any hope of standing secure in Jesus Christ, of having and the opportunity to be a light for the gospel of God, to stand strong and firm and secure and speak boldly the name of Jesus Christ. Is there any chance that's going to happen for your children and my grandchildren? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, friends, I want to tell you this morning, it's already the third day. It's already the third day. And yes, God knows how to take care of what belongs to him. The gospel is not good advice. It is good news. This is day one. This is Easter. And this is the day we are reminded we are in Christ. We are new creations. The old is gone. The new is here. This is Resurrection Sunday. It is indeed already. Say it with me. 
It is already the third day. He is risen. Risen indeed. And thank you again. God bless you for coming today, sharing this Easter service with us. We pray God's blessing on you and your family. Enjoy your day together. Uh, Stop by and uh, pick up some of the refreshments that were from the youth uh, sale for our mission trip. Get your ticket to our men's banquet and join us next Saturday. And this morning as we leave, this the song that we just sang, Jesus paid it all. And I just, one more time before we leave today, if perchance you are here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, and you know it, you know you've heard the gospel, but you haven't made that choice. You haven't asked the Lord to be your Savior and forgive you for your sins. Paul says this, We implore you on Christ's behalf, we beg of you, be reconciled to God. And this verse goes with the song that we just sang. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in exchange we might become the righteousness of God in him. Can you think of one good reason why you would not want to leave this place today and know that your sins are forgiven, that heaven is your destiny, but that right now you can become a new creation. You can actually exchange your sin for Christ's righteousness because he took your place on the cross of Calvary and rose on Easter morning. We ask you in behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, why not? Be reconciled to him. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this congregation, this family, and those who have joined us today to share in this service. Our hearts have been lifted. I want to thank you for all those who have put a lot of time and love into preparing our music this morning to open our hearts to you, to allow us to worship you For you alone are worthy. You are the only one worthy of our praise and adoration. And Father, we thank you this Easter morning that this is day one. This is the day that defines our faith. This is why we are here. As the Apostle Paul tells us in the Epistle to the Corinthians, if we are lying about this, if we are lying about this, we are of all people the biggest fools. But if we are telling the truth, We have the greatest gospel and message of love to share with our world. And we trust and pray, Lord, that nobody will leave this service today without knowing that they have eternal life, forgiveness for sins. They would come and talk with us afterward. Any one of us pastors who have been up here today to step aside and to pray with them and talk with them if they have more questions. And we thank you for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people on this Easter morning can say together, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He is risen.